0: It's the most wonderful time of the year. You know, I like to sing that song, but I like to sing it particularly about right now, as I am bringing up all the boxes to pack away Christmas. (laughs) Christmas has been a wonderful time. And uh, we've had some, several family Christmases, I'm sure you have, probably traveled a bit, maybe saw some people you hadn't seen in a while. That's a, a good thing. Uh, but just to be quite frank about it, I was telling Chris the other day, I love Christmas, uh, but I'm Christmas out. I, I am I'm done. I am over it, <laughs> ready to get back to normal. Because this sort of whole month just kind of throws things in a tizzy. I mean, everything's different. Everything's there. There's there's many obligations. There's lots of things that have to be done. There's all sorts of uh, uh, parties to attend and things to do with family and and cards to send and decorations to put up and the, the whole bit. And and that's fine. But it's it's more pleasing to me. <laughs> to get to this point where it's like, okay, we're, we're past that. As we will probably go through the process today or tomorrow of putting away Christmas, I am reminded of uh, the curse that we have of Christmas in our home. And I don't mean that in a metaphorical sense. I mean that it's, it's bad. It was two years ago that we... Got a Christmas tree. We had one, and uh, it it burned out. It was one of those pre lit things, you know. And so you you've got the lights at the bottom, and then the section in the middle went completely out. And it was and it was unfixable. I mean, I checked every bulb and all of that, and so basically had to get a new tree. And so we got a new tree. Saw one at Walmart. They you know after Christmas they were eighty percent off. So uh, I have the spiritual gift of cheapness, and. Uh, Saw this beautiful tree, thought, perfect, that'll, that's, that, that screams, that, that'll be a, a beautiful blessing to us next Christmas. Bought it, brought it home, promptly put it away in storage to wait for the next Christmas season. Last year was that first Christmas. What I didn't realize is the reason that the tree looked so pretty was because it was covered in kind of this fake snow and a little bit of gold glitter. I'm sorry, not a little bit. It was like the guy at the glitter factory was getting a bonus for every pound of glitter that he put on the tree. You see, it was already on display when we looked at it, but when we opened it in the box, it was a tree and piles of glitter in the box. It was a nightmare. So we did the best we could. Shake off the tree, get it up, you know, and, and pull it out of the box and try to keep as much of that extra glitter in the box as possible, but, but it just wasn't doing. Brought it upstairs, left a trail, a beautiful, magical trail going up the stairs. Looked like we had a, a pixie party in our home. It was just glitter everywhere. Got the tree up, uh, did, did last Christmas, you know, and, and after we took it all down, I thought, well, you know, that one one the first year is probably enough. Somehow, this tree has has magically reproduced glitter in the course of the year. And so we, we again did that again this year. And, and I'm just that's one of the things. I'm like, I'm just over it. I, I'm there. It's so much glitter in my life now. As we do those kind of things, and as we get to the point where we're just over Christmas. It brings us to a, a strange point. I don't know about you, I've gotten a couple of new calendars already, one for Christmas, some people just give them away. But, but it's kind of like, oh, it's exciting, because it's a, a new calendar, which means a new year and a new possibility. Maybe you'll see this on social media. New year, new you, right? And that sounds good, but it's just such a blatant lie. Because the new year will be very much like the old year, if something doesn't change. Something's got to change if you want something to change. Sometimes I work on a message for weeks and months, and sometimes a message works on me for weeks and months. And today's message is not going to be a PowerPoint. Uh, There's not going to be a handout. This one just comes from the gut and from the heart. Because I need you to hear as we are on the cusp of a new year to understand very clearly that 2020 will be absolutely no different than 2019 if something doesn't change. The world will tell you, you got to do that. you got to make those changes. But the scripture tells us something very different. Yes, you have to change, make choices, new thinking, new habits, new goals. Fine, all of that. But there's something even deeper that God addresses in his word. And so this morning, I want you to just follow along with me as I speak from the gut and the heart from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the scripture that was already read, probably a scripture that you've heard many times, and I want us to think through what Paul is really saying about being in Christ. From now on, verse 16 Therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If you want a new year, If you want a new you, it starts with a new life. And new life cannot happen except one way, and that is in Jesus. Jesus, you know, we probably remember the scripture, John chapter 14, verse 6, if you're following along. I am the way. We understand Jesus is the way. He's the only way. He proclaimed that. We believe that. He's not just a way. He's the way. He said, I am the truth. In a a post-truth culture, Jesus is very offensive. Well, how dare you say there's just one way? How dare you even project the idea that there is an absolute truth? There's no absolute truth. There's my truth. There's your truth. No, Jesus is the truth. But then note this. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Do you understand that? That Jesus, sometimes we think about Jesus being the life as, oh, I'm going to live my life, and I'm going to invite Jesus along, right along with me. I'm driving the car. He's going to sit right next to me. And then I'll just do everything the way I want to do it. And then I'll have him right beside. I call it Jesus bonus points. Jesus coins. Uh, one of the gifts that we did for a family gift this, this year was uh, something called a Nintendo Switch. I familiar with the Switch? I have, oh, yeah, all the youth group. Uh, yeah, I, I had no idea what the Switch was. I mean, it's, it's kind of this cool video game, and you can hold it in your hands, you can put it on the TV, multiple players and all that. So so we get that, we're playing, we've been playing, the kids and I, and, um, and, and I've been showing them why their dad doesn't play video games. <laughs> But as you go along in this games, there's uh, one called Mario Kart. And as you're racing around, you know, every, every once in a while you have these coins and things. You, you, if you hit the coin, then you get, you know, a shield or you go extra fast or you throw a turtle, sh- turtle shell at someone. And it's just an extra bonus. It helps you along through the, through the game. And some people think of Jesus in that way. Like, I'm going to drive my car, I'm going to go on my path, and I'm just going to bring Jesus along, and he'll just make it that much better. No, no, no. You you misunderstand what Jesus was saying when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is not your an extra part of your life. He is life. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, if you're caring to follow along in Scripture, and you should be, John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, I... Have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus was meeting with a man at night named Nicodemus, and, Nicodem- and Jesus said, You cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you're born again. And Nicodemus is like, What are you talking about, born again? And Jesus said, you can't be born again unless you're born of the water and the spirit. In other words, new life begins with new birth. But it doesn't just stop there. New life is what Jesus came to give us. And when you step into life with Christ, he doesn't conveniently sit to the right of you and just you get to... T- have little conversations with him whenever it's convenient for you. Know what Jesus intended when he said, I am the life, is that you get out of the driver's seat. You go to the back seat. You let him get in the driver's seat, and he begins to take hold. Jesus is not addition to your life. Jesus is life. New creation. May we remember that just as in Jesus' day... There was nothing, there was no person, there was no situation where Jesus came into and left it the same. Jesus went to a wedding at Cana in Galilee. There stood six stone jars full of water, and when Jesus left, they were full to the brim of wine. And the master of the wedding feast said, who did this? Ah, you'll get to know him soon. That's Jesus the Christ. He leaves nothing the same. He met a blind man named Bartimaeus, And after Jesus had met with him, he could see. He met a wee little man in the top of a sycamore tree by the name of Zacchaeus. And by the time he left, this man who had defrauded many and who was very wealthy had given it all away. Because Jesus leaves No one. The same. Jesus would heal lepers. Jesus would change fishermen into preachers. Jesus is in the change business. And if you are uncomfortable with change, you are not comfortable with Jesus. Because he refuses to leave you the same. He does not intend for you to be in a relationship with Him, and He will not let you be in a relationship with Him unless you allow Him to change you, to evolve you, to shift you, to make you into a new creation. Remember... Remember it when it was when you stepped into life with Christ, however old that was. Maybe you were 11, 12, 13, 14. Maybe it was at a camp somewhere. Maybe you were on the edge of that cold lake in uh, Golden, Colorado, and you went down and you were baptized and you were immersed and you were, you were born again. Remember that moment in your mind? Are you different today than you were back then? Because that's the sign of being with Christ. No one comes to Christ and gets to stay the same. Maybe you came to Jesus later in life. Maybe someone introduced you to Jesus. Maybe somebody shared Jesus with you. Think back to that time when they shared the gospel and you obeyed the gospel. Are you the same? You shouldn't be. Jesus Christ is persistent and he leaves no one alone if you 're going to walk with jesus, if you 're going to obey Jesus, get comfortable get comfortable being uncomfortable because Jesus is not comfortable to let you be comfortable. He is calling you to a new life. May we not forget? We get excited about the stories in the Gospel. Wow, look what Jesus did, look how he changed this person, look how he healed the leper, look how he he forgave this woman, look how he changed his people, look how he transform these apostles and then we close the book and think you know it sure is nice to have jesus once a week for once an hour and now i just like to go and live my life as i choose that's not the way it works with jesus new year new life all of that only comes in christ in christ alone may we not buy into the lie deceitful as it is and enticing as it may be that we can follow Christ and remain the same. If we are in Christ and we're not changing to be like Christ, my question is, are you with Christ? Jesus said there would be a time when he would come and people would say, Lord, Lord. And Jesus would say, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not. Do what I say. You see, following Christ is not a matter of intellectual assent. Just trusting, just having a little faith in the the way that most of us think of faith. In the biblical way of faith, it's trusting him enough to do what he said to do. When Jesus said to Peter, come, follow me. He had a choice in that moment. Whether to step out of the boat. Leave what he had been trained to do. And follow Jesus who he really probably knew very little about and begin to let him change his life. That's trust. That's faith. That's because Peter believed that Jesus could bring him new life. This word new. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. I did an extensive amount of study on the word new. I parsed the Greek word. I looked at all the declensions and and I, I really got into determining that the Greek word for new, and this is going to blow your mind, it means new. There is something crazy about the new. There is something good about the new. Have you ever had a new car? I've never had a new car myself. But I've been inside new cars. New cars are fun. You get inside, all the technology is the latest and greatest. You close the door and there's that smell of new. And they try to fake that, but it's new material. It's, it's untouched. It's totally straight from the manufacturer. It's new. You ever held a newborn babe? Oh, they're, they're beautiful in those first three days, aren't they? They're, they're so gentle, quiet. They sleep most of the time. But but just to hold them close. They, they even like, this is weird. This is, makes me look like such a weirdo. I like to smell new babies. They smell like new human. Their hair is so soft. There's something, there's something so much better about the new. Uh, You you probably know by now, I'm I'm, I'm an iPhone guy, I'm an Apple guy, I I enjoy their product, think they make a good one. But but as part of enjoying the iPhone, it means you're basically obligated to buy a new one every year or two. Now, the, the, the old iPhone is not bad, but the new one, it just does some cool things. It does some things that didn't happen before, that you didn't have before. New is always better. What what Paul says here is when you're in Christ, something's happening within you that is reforming you, remaking you. It's not old you improved. It's new you, a new creation. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Consider this. For I consider, Paul says, that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory of, That is to be revealed to us. Revelation chapter 21 verse 5. The scripture is full of these promises. And he who is seated on the throne. That's Christ. Said. Behold. I am making all things new. We don't fully comprehend and understand how much new God has in store for us. But it's going to be good. Far better than any phone, any car, even any new human being. God has a glory prepared for us in Christ that is so much better than we can even fathom or comprehend. God, Jesus, is making all things new. Including you. We don't realize the impact of that promise just as much as when we go through hard times. If you've had a year where you've been through some health problems, I mean, we've had like the plague going around the Levering household in the past couple of weeks. You know there's coming a time if we're in Christ in a resurrection body that you will never again ever be sick. Uh, just look at Revelation 21. For this is the verse right before what we just read. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them and will be their God. He, this is verse 4, will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain for the former thing. The old things have passed away. This Thursday, in this room, I will be in these pews for a funeral of a 19-year-old girl who had a tragic asthma attack Christmas Day and died. The family is understandably completely overwhelmed with grief. And pain. And agony. And as hard as that is. Because she was in Christ. You see she died from an asthma attack. But the moment she died. Because of Christ. She stepped into eternity with new lungs. She breathed new air. She was a new person. Hey, I agree with Paul. Paul. That the present sufferings pale in comparison to the glory that's awaiting us. That's the good news about the new. May we not forget that. Because sometimes it's so easy to get caught up in the old. The sickness and the death and the pain and the mourning and the hard things of life. And maybe you've had that kind of year. Let me tell you. Hold on. Things are coming. New days are just ahead. Don't give up. The old order of things is quickly passing away. And with each day, we get closer now to the new than we've ever been. I was going through the records. Uh, I keep a, an Excel spreadsheet of all the deaths and the bari- uh, baptisms and the weddings and all of that And I came across the one of Otto. You don't know Otto. Maybe a few of you. Otto, I believe, was something like 92 years old. Tom knows Otto. And they called up the building and they said, hey, they've got this little Bible study group, and they said, we've got a friend of ours named Otto, and he is ready to be baptized. I said, sure, come on up. And so they came in, they, you know, six, seven, eight of them, and they were all there, and you could tell they all had a close friendship. And it was my honor to baptize a 92-year-old man into Christ. What I couldn't help but notice was, you know, you go on back there, if you've never been a part of this process, you go back there, and there's the baptismal garments, you know, and this, this, this sweet but frail, older gentleman is in the baptismal garments and he's going up the stairs just with the greatest of care as you do. And he's going up very slowly and intentionally. He's holding onto the rails. He gets up to the platform. He comes up. We go through that door right there. I say, now I'm going to go first so I can get down in there and you could hold my hand and you grab the rails. You come down. I don't last thing I want to do is for him to fall. We get him down. He goes into the water. He comes out. And he is grinning from ear to ear like he just ate a banana sideways. He is so overjoyed. I hug him. We gently guide him up the stairs, out down the stairs, down the platform. He comes down. to give him a towel. We hug him. We're praying with him. He comes out here with his his friends, the closest friends in his life. And they gather around. And he is crying. He said, I've been waiting to do this for so long long. And I've asked so many people in so many different churches if they would do it. And they kept saying, no, we don't do that. No, we don't need to do that. And he said, but Jesus said right here that I need to do it. And finally, I found a church of people who believe what Jesus said and want to do what Jesus said. He said, I'm a new man. Now, don't misunderstand. He was a very wet, sopping wet, 92-year-old man on the outside. But on the inside, he was like a newborn babe. He had changed. Jesus had made him new. He had transformed him. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So may we not forget that new is always just a decision away Jesus says or Paul says that we are a new creation that we are a work in progress. I love that. I was listening as we were going in worship and had some children, and you hear their voices and the babies and I'm so thankful when I hear their voices because that means. There's life. And I know that there will be a day when they grow out of the baby phase, when mommies and daddies won't have to take them outside, and there won't be times to the nursery and all of that, but, but I realize that God's working on them too. Turn to Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Paul says to the church that he loves dearly at Philippi, he says this, Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. All of us are works in progress. We are new creation when we are buried with Christ to walk in newness of life. But that newness comes out a little at a time. Looking for my sweet wife. I know she's back there somewhere. Uh, Yeah, there she is. Christy, do you remember the wallpaper on Crestway? Hmm. I tried to forget the wallpaper on Crestway. We moved into this house. our first house we moved back into when we came back to Wichita. This house was built in the 60s. And uh, there was a time when wallpaper was very much a fad. I don't know who invented that fad. I'd really like to meet him or her. I have a few words. And we begin the process of renovating this new house. And one of the things we had to do was addressed the wallpaper. It was this floral pattern. They loved it so much, they put two or three layers on. Then they decided they didn't love it as much, so they did the smart thing, and they just painted right over it. We've got this textured floral pattern coming through the wallpaper, and we begin the process of trying to remove the old. I don't know how many little tigers we went through, and, and how much... I mean, I had biceps way bigger than right now, and that's, I know that's hard to believe just from relentless removing of the old. Paul says that he who began a good work in you will carry it through to completion. The part of Jesus making us new is transforming us by removing the old. And this is so important. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, the new has gone. uh, Behold, the new has come. The old has passed away. This is important. You can't have new life and continue to live in old ways. You cannot claim to walk with Christ and do things which are not pleasing to Christ. This is not earning your salvation. This is a matter of how you walk. The Apostle Paul addressed, you know, 2 Corinthians 5 is uh, sort of the end of the story with um, Paul and the Corinthians, at least as far as we know. But the first letter tells a story of a church that was in trouble. They were a church that claimed to have new life and want to follow the Savior, but they walked in old ways. Turn to 1 Corinthians and just scan over it. The first thing he says is this. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not with solid food, for you were not yet ready, for even now you are not ready. You are still of the flesh. Well there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos. Are you not? Being merely human. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? These are servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Little context here. You got a church divided. They were divided over personalities. They were acting like they were in high school. They were saying, well, uh, you know, I'm team Apollos. Uh, He's my guy. Apollos, the famous orator—boy, he could speak. He could bring the house down, and they loved him. And they—they they no doubt heard many great sermons from Apollos. And then they had Paul, and so people were like, "I'm Team Paul." And Paul was clearly the smartest guy in the room. You ever have one of those professors, just one of the smartest guys in the room, so smart he couldn't really function? That was Paul. He knew the Hebrew, he knew the Greek, he knew the Aramaic. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He knew the law backwards and forwards. He was a studied guy. He was a learned guy. And some people say, well, I'm team Apollos. And other people said, well, I'm team Paul. And Paul says, no, 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 no. If you're in Christ, you are team Jesus. We don't split up. We don't get into little groups and little clubs and this versus that. We don't get into this ministry versus that ministry. It's not CR versus the youth group. It's it's not kids ministry versus the loft. It's not this versus that. It's not person versus person. It's not me and Steve. It's not team Stevens, team Toby, and team Bill. It's not team Lewis. It's not team anybody except team Jesus. May we, if we're going to be a new creation, not act like the world. This is the kingdom, not high school. We don't choose teams. We follow Jesus. And if you're ever following a personality or a person, you need to back up. Because you need to be following Jesus, the Christ. And you're going to have different people in your lives that come and go and who lead you to Christ. Paul says, who am I? Who's Apollos? We're just people that God uses. We're going to die and God's going to bring new people. Don't get behind a person. You get behind a Savior. And the body be unified in Christ behind a Savior, the Christ. Part of being a new creation is being unified in Christ, not being divided over pettiness and personalities. Paul continues. 1 Corinthians 6. I have verse five. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you of a kind that's not even tolerated among the pagan for a man has his father's wife. Being a new creation means you can't live in old ways. When we follow Christ, we follow the standard of Christ. That means we do what Christ says and we live in a way that pleases Christ We don't live in old ways anymore. In fact, look what he says in 1 Corinthians 6. Do, this is verse 9, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Look, the scripture is real clear. If you're not in scripture, please open up a Bible. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And the short translation of that is you were made new. May the the followers of Christ never succumb to following the ways of the world. I realize there's things in that list that the world's trying to redefine. Well, that's not really wrong. You know, we just need a more sophisticated understanding. No, the word is the word. Listen to the word and do what it says. Not just the words on the page, the word. May we hear the words of Christ. May we be unified in Christ. May we stick to the word. This is the process of becoming a new creation and, and growing as God continues to do a good work in us. When we follow new ways, that means that old ways are going to be behind us. You ever have God tell you no? No. Following God is pretty easy when God tells you yes, when God answers the prayers exactly as you want, in the timing that you want. But sometimes God tells you no. I didn't know if I'd share this story, but I will. There was a time I was really frustrated in ministry. And I thought God maybe was calling me to move ahead and move forward. And so I applied for something different, not even in ministry. I felt it was the right thing, I prayed for it to be the answer. I knocked on the door again and again and again. I was qualified, I knew this area, and it was certainly within my realm of expertise. And I knocked, 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 and I knocked knocked at the door. And it would not open. And God would not, God would not yield. Sometimes there is a reason that God closes the door. It's a part of remaking you. It's part of creating a new you. And sometimes that means he's going to close the doors on opportunities that you think should be yours. He's going to close the doors on friendships you thought were yours. He's going to close the doors on opportunities because though you thought it was best, God did not. Sometimes. Letting God make you into a new creation means that he's going to close some doors. The good news is, some of God's greatest gifts, as the great theologian Garth Brooks would say, are unanswered prayers. Many times in my life, I have prayed for something, and God closed the door. And I'm learning more and more to accept the closed door as a blessing from God because he knows what's behind it and he knows before it. So who, what's behind it and what, who goes before it. So may we follow him. May we trust him. And if it calls us to it, may we let God close the door. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. Everyone loves to see the butterflies. We were at Botanica last night, didn't see the butterflies. We're so looking at the Christmas lights. but we have a beautiful butterfly house full of God's creation. But the butterfly is the finished product. Caterpillars aren't so attractive. Nobody stops to watch a caterpillar. But God's greatest work is in the caterpillar because he changes it from something old into something new. And in that process, it requires a death, a changing, a transformation from the butterfly to the caterpillar. Maybe God is making you new, and maybe that means he's transforming you. Don't give up on the process, trust your Father. As he molds you and shapes you into something that cannot even compare to what you are now. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. And some glad morning, when this life is over, you'll fly away. To a land that you can't even picture. The question is, right now, there's only one way for that transformation to happen, and that is in Christ. In Christ. That's it. You can have set all the resolutions you want. You can set all the goals that you like. You can be as positive thinking as you can be. But true thinking. Only hap- a true new transformation. Only begins with new life. And new life is only in Christ. My question for you this morning is. Are you in Christ? Have you followed the simple command. To believe and be baptized. Like my friend Otto. You can do that at any point at any time. I can tell you if you have there is no better time than at 1115 on December 29th, 2019. No better way to have a new year and a new life and a new you than to let the, the Savior who works in the carpenter shop of the soul to transform the life. If you're ready to do that this morning, come meet me, meet our shepherds down front, and we'll help you take the first step of new life. But if you've been in, in Christ, but you're living in old ways, and you need to repent, you need us to pray with you, we need to help you in any way, we're glad to do that. Whatever need you might have, come bring it forward in a public way as together we stand and sing.